The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Discover a new relationship and approach to life through the space between. Join spiritual teacher Brittany Mondito for a moment of silence, a weekend workshop May 24th to 26th at Omega Institute's beautiful campus in Rhinebeck, New York. Everything we're searching for lies behind what we're running from, Brittany says. Reconnect with your inner sense of safety, grounding, and centeredness. Learn more today at eomega.org slash thrive. Probably the most common question that I get asked from fans or people interested in Dr. Wayne Dyer is, what book should I read? Or what's your favorite book? Or what's the best book for someone who's new? Well, today's episode, I'll be talking about my top three Dr. Wayne Dyer books. This was recorded live in the Wayne Dyer Wisdom community on Facebook. If you're not already a member that is open to everyone, you're free to join us. And you'll find all the links on my website at NadiaDelaCruz.com. I hope you enjoy this. Looks like we are live. Fantastic. Hello and welcome. Um, my name is Nadia Dela Cruz. I am the founder of the Wayne Dyer Wisdom Community, and we're meeting today under a little bit different circumstances because I'm using new technology. Yes, we're rolling with the times. I'm learning new things all the time. So thank you for being here. Um, let me know where you're joining from. And if you have a favorite Dr. Wayne Dyer book, I'd love to know what it is. We're going to be covering my top three Dr. Wayne Dyer books today. So thank you so much for joining me. Um, I started these live monthly videos as a way for us to connect with each other. Like the, the group is getting so big, um, but we're unified in a love for Dr. Wayne Dyer, for an interest in spirituality, for just wanting to make the most of our lives. Um, I really believe in the potential of human beings and what we're capable of. Wayne Dyer inspired that in me and I want to keep that going. So, um, I'm really excited for um, just everyone who's been with me since the beginning and all of our new members. Welcome to the group. Um, gosh, there's just so many of us now. And isn't that a beautiful thing? Um, brought together in the name of love. That's how I see it. Um, if you haven't checked out my podcast, it's called Change Your Thoughts, Change Your Life. And you can go to my website, NadiaDelacruz.com, to listen to the episodes, get more information. Um, all my social media links are down at the bottom of my homepage there, NadiaDelacruz.com. You'll want that because um, I'm starting a new video series. I talked about it last time we got together, and that's Dr. Wayne Dyer's 10 Secrets for Success and Inner Peace. And I'm doing 10 videos for each of those secrets because they're all so good. I thought each one deserved uh, its own video. So the first one is almost ready to go and I'm going to be publishing that on my YouTube channel. I can pop a link in the comments here. But if you go to my website, 
you'll find it all all there. The uh, the last episode in the podcast, I think it came out a week ago, is with Sarah Dion Brooks. She is just a beautiful person inside and out. She shared a song in our group here that was inspired by a quote from Dr. Wayne Dyer. And it was so fantastic that I wanted to talk to her more. So that podcast episode, it's number 23. It starts out with her song. And then we get to talk about um, her life and what inspires her and, and the work that she does. Um, the quote was, loving people live in a loving world, hostile people live in a hostile world, same world. Um, and her song is called You Get to Choose. And then once you've heard it, you can't unhear it. I've had it in my head in a beautiful way. Um, I just love it. And her music is fantastic. Now, next week... On Sunday, the new episode is going to be with Reverend Charles Foley. He is also fantastic. Um, if you've ever seen Dr. Wayne Dyer wearing those t-shirts that say love on them, actually it's love with a period, that love is all there is, he first received that t-shirt or one of those t-shirts from Reverend Charles Foley at an I Can Do It conference in New York. And um, he ended up getting a bunch of those shirts and even wore one during his taping for the PBS special of I Can See Clearly Now, which was his last PBS special. Um, and Reverend Charles Foley is, is just fantastic. He's a reverend at a Unity Church and um, it's just really a joy to speak with him. So I think you're going to enjoy that. His website is loveperiod.com where he sells those shirts and he's got hats and things. So check it out if you're interested. I just got a new one myself. Um, yeah. So if you haven't checked out the podcast, go have a listen. It's on Apple and Spotify. Or you can just go right to my website and get it there. Um, and if you have listened to it, then let me know what you think. Um, sometimes I feel like it's like a message in a bottle, right? Like I record these things and I throw them out into the world, but, um, you know, it's hard to know if anybody's actually hearing it until you tell me. And so I love it. I love to hear it. Even if it's a criticism, bring it. Um, and thank you for listening. All right. Now, if you are new to Dr. Wayne Dyer, I did make a whole other video about um, my recommendations about what to read for your first Wayne Dyer book. And you can find that on my YouTube channel. Again, I'll put it in the comments. You'll find a link. Um, check it after the broadcast. I'll put a, a link in there. Um, so there is a video for that. And basically what I did in that one is I brought out my whole library and I went through like all of the options. And then I gave my recommendations for where to start because that's the most common question that I get. What, what book should I read or what's your favorite? And I feel like they're all fantastic and, and they're all beautiful for different reasons. And so depending on where you are in life or maybe what your needs are or what you're focusing on right now, um, you know, there's one that might be just the perfect fit for you. You can start anywhere, honestly. Um, but today we're going to talk about my top three Dr. Wayne Dyer books, my favorite Wayne Dyer books. I'll tell you, it was a little hard to narrow it down to three, but we're going to go over three and Full disclosure, these are a little bit for sentimental reasons. Um, one is the first book I ever read. Um, one is the book he was talking about when I visited him in Maui. 
Um, and the other one just talks all about his life, which is so great. So, um, yeah, what's your favorite? What's your favorite Wayne Dyer book? Drop it in the comments. Tell me. I'd love to hear it. Let's have a discussion. Um, and tell me where you're from. So um, just give everybody a second to come in. Hope you're comfortable. Got some good stuff coming. Okay. Spoiler alert. Here's what we're going to cover today. You'll see it when you believe it. Beautiful one. Um, change your thoughts, change your life. Another fantastic book. And I can see clearly now. Mm, just love this. I, I put a couple posts um, earlier today uh, of these books. So you may have seen those on there. Okay, so we're going to start with my... Well, number one, these these are in chronological order. My first of the top three. Um, oh, Pedram said my first book was You'll See It When You Believe It. Hey, mine too. We're book buddies. I love that. Um, Paul says he's having a hard time hearing me. Let's see if we can adjust this. Let me know if that's any better, Paul. I want you to be able to hear me. It looks like it's okay. Sometimes it's it's how far the microphone is. Yeah. If anybody else is having trouble seeing or hearing me, let me know. Oh, <laughs> bedroom. Okay, so you'll see it when you believe it was my first Dr. Wayne Dyer book. Now, I discovered Dr. Wayne Dyer watching PBS with my dad. I'm not sure who turned it on first, honestly. Um, I don't know if he was watching it and I started watching it or I was watching and he started watching. I just remember there were times that we were sitting in the living room watching Wayne Dyer and my dad would go, hmm, really like that guy. That's a good guy. My dad was kind of a man of few words, um, but he was really in alignment with all of this. And um, yeah. Um, all right. So you'll see it when you believe it was the first book that I got. And I remember this one just blew my mind. It was the first time that I started to believe um, that we don't have the limits I was taught that we have. That we don't have to play by the rules that um, I was told are just part of life, right? Um, you have to work hard. Things are never going to be easy. You can't have what you want. This is for you and this isn't for you. All these things that we think aren't possible. All of these limitations that we reinforce and we believe in. You know, it's going to take a long time. It's going to be really hard. Um, that's not going to be available for you. Wayne Dyer changed that for me. So to his credit, I've had it in my heart for my entire adult life that if there's anything I really want, I can get it. And I got to tell you, I love my life. I mean, I am, I was not born with a silver spoon. <laughs> um, I'm not a wealthy woman. Um, but I have more than everything I could ever need. There's so much abundance in my life. And, you know, part of that is believing that it's possible. We don't reach for things. We don't look for things. We're not aware of opportunities unless we're open to it, unless we think it's possible for us. So what you believe is at the core of everything. That can open the doors for you. I read You'll See It When You Believe It. 
in my bedroom, my parents' house, and I was just highlighting everything. And it was just like, it was like there was this secret revolution happening in my room um, as a teenager. Like, like all of a sudden, I didn't believe in those limits anymore. I, I lost my belief in those limits, and and that was so powerful. Um, so this book holds a very special place in my heart. Now I had a paperback copy. Let me grab you one. This is what my copy looked like. I actually gave that copy to somebody uh, who knows where it is now. So I got another one recently, um, that is the same type of, uh, paperback printing that I had in the day. So this is it. This was, this is what it looked like. Um, I now have this, this hardbound copy too. Look at that classic Wayne. Isn't that funny? Um, what a sweetheart. So this book was his first book on spirituality. How about that? So he had been writing books about psychology, you know, your erroneous zones, pulling your own strings. It was about sticking up for yourself and being assertive and being a no limit person. And these are all great concepts that he carried through the rest of his life. But he wasn't talking about God. He wasn't talking about oneness. He wasn't talking about spirituality at all. That wasn't on his radar. I think he'd been exposed to maybe a little bit of it because some of his teachers were sort of not the traditional psychology professors. Um, he was studying the branch of psychology that was about what was possible for human beings and not just labeling psychosis. It wasn't about what was wrong, it was about what was possible. And uh, that explains a lot about sort of the trajectory that he had. Well, this was his first spiritual book, published in 1989, and it just happened to be the first one that I read. And he would continue writing about spirituality for the rest of his career. So this book focused on um, seven one-word concepts. I'm going to read them to you. Transformation, thought, oneness, abundance, detachment, synchronicity, and forgiveness. I mean, those are so great. And when I studied his life, when I looked into sort of what was his path, the, I have an episode actually in the podcast, I think it's episode three, that is um, from psychology to spirituality. And it talks about sort of what was happening in his life that motivated that shift and what sort of impact did that have. Um, but because he, he wasn't involved in spirituality, he was, he was talking about his books. I think he had five books up until that point. And he happened to be touring at a number of unity churches and non-denominational non churches around the United States. And he's standing up at the pulpit, right? And he started to see that he could impact people um, like you would in a religious way. And he started to get really excited about the idea of being a spiritual teacher. And I think it was a calling. I think he was he was being woken up to that calling. There was a resonance in him. So he started studying. He started studying all of these concepts, transformation, thought, oneness, abundance, detachment, synchronicity, forgiveness. And then he put them into this book, um, his first book. Now, I wanted to read you a little bit from the introduction on this one, just to sort of set the tone for... Um, you know, what was his motivation? What did he want you to get from this? What can you get from this book? So, so bear with me here. He says, you cannot drink the word water. The formula H2O cannot float a ship. The word rain cannot get you wet. 
You must experience water or rain to truly know what the words mean. Words themselves keep you several steps removed from the experience. And so it is with everything that I write about in this book. These are words that are meant to lead to the direct experience, like a finger pointing at the moon, right? If the words that I write ring true, it is very likely that you will take the ideas presented here and create your experience of them. I believe these principles and see them working all the time and want to share my experience of how they've worked for me. You too see in your own life essentially what you believe. You see what you believe. If, for example, you believe strongly in scarcity, think about it regularly, and make it the focus of your conversations, I am quite certain that you see a great deal of it in your life. If you think about scarcity, if you believe in scarcity, you're going to find evidence of that being true. On the other hand, if you believe in happiness and abundance, think only about them, talk about them with others, and act on your belief in them, it's a very good bet that you are seeing what you believe. Oliver Wendell Holmes once said, man's mind stretched to a new idea never goes back to its original dimension. The principles that I write about in this book may require you to stretch to new ideas. Should you take these words and apply them to your life, you will feel the stretch marks in your mind. <laughs> There's a visual. And you will never again return to the being that you were before. Mm. Do you want the red pill or the blue pill? The word it appears twice in the title of this book and refers both times to what could be called personal transformation. That transformation comes with knowing deep within you that each and every human being is far more than a physical body and that the essence of being human includes the ability to think and feel, to possess a higher consciousness and to know that there is an intelligence suffusing all form in the universe. You are able to tap into that invisible part of you to use your mind in any way that you choose and to recognize um, that this is your essential humanity. The principles in this book start with a premise that you are a soul with a body rather than a body with a soul. Mm. I think that's one of my favorite quotes or favorite ideas that I learned from Wayne Dyer. I mean, so much of what he talks about are ancient truths. So he didn't invent these. He tapped into these and we can tap into these too, that you are a spiritual being having a human experience. And doesn't that change things? That you're not just occasionally having these miraculous moments or feeling this grace in your life, but that that's the essence of what you really are. And you glimpse that essence in those moments. It's coming at it from the other side. Now, he talks about his life story a little bit here as an example of his own transformation and what's possible for you. And what I found really interesting is I haven't read this section of the book in quite some time. Um, and he has a couple pages here about forgiving his father. Now, um, he talks about that and I can see clearly now, which is basically his memoir. And I, um, I did a podcast episode that talks all about that. It's called, um, Wayne Dyer's father. Let's see. I wonder what episode that is. Oh, episode eight, Wayne Dyer's father. Um, if you want to check that out, but he shares things in a little bit different way, a little, a few details. I think that I didn't include later on, um, that I wanted to share a little bit of this with you. 
um, his testimonial of his own transformation. A little bit about his life, too. I was born in 1940, the youngest of three boys, all under the age of four. My mother, whom I have never seen, or excuse me, my father, whom I have never seen, he never knew his father, never met him, abandoned the family when I was two. From all accounts, he was a troubled man who avoided honest work, drank excessively, physically abused my mother, and had run-ins with the law and spent some time in prison. My mother worked as a candy girl at a dime store on the east side of Detroit, and her weekly wages of $17 barely covered her streetcar and babysitting expenses. There was no aid to dependent children or welfare then. I spent many of my early years in foster homes where my mother visited me whenever possible. All I knew of my father was what I heard from others, particularly my two brothers. I pictured an abusive, non-caring person who wanted nothing to do with me or my brothers. The more I heard, the more I hated. The more I hated, the angrier I became. My anger turned to curiosity and I dreamed constantly about meeting my father and confronting him directly. I became fixated on my hatred and on my desire to meet this man and get the answers firsthand. By 1949, my mother had remarried and reunited our family. Neither of my brothers ever voluntarily mentioned my father, and my inquiries were met with a look that implied, he's no damn good. Why do you want to know any more about him? But my curiosity and my bad dreams persisted. Often I would wake up sweating and crying after a particularly intense dreaming sequence about him. Continued into adulthood, too. Um, he was tortured by it. As I grew into adulthood, my determination to meet this man became even fiercer. I became obsessed with finding him. His side of the family protected him because they felt that my mother would have him arrested for years of non-support. Yet I still asked questions, made phone calls to relatives in distant cities, um, made phone calls to relatives I didn't even know, and made trips to meet his ex-wives in distant cities to discover what this man was like. Always, my search ended in frustration. I would run out of funds to chase down a lead, or I'd have to return to my own personal responsibilities. In 1970, I received a call from a cousin I had never met who had heard a rumor that my father had died in New Orleans. But I was in no position to investigate it. At the time, I was completing my doctoral studies, moving to New York to become an associate professor at St. John's University, going through a painful divorce. He was married three times, um, two divorces. I think this was the first marriage. Um, going through a painful divorce and stuck in place when it came to my writing. In the next few years, I co-authored several texts on counseling and psychotherapy. I knew that I did not want to continue writing for strictly professional audiences. That's so key. And yet nothing else would come to me. I was stuck personally, divorce, physically, overweight and out of shape, and spiritually, a pure pragmatist with no thoughts about metaphysics. Isn't that interesting? Isn't that interesting to think about? This was Wayne before he became a published author. He had started to co-write a couple of textbooks, but he hadn't written anything for a general audience yet. He was overweight. He wasn't spiritual at all. <laughs> um, he's going through a divorce. 
And we know him as the father of eight, right? We know him as this, this family man, which he was, but he went through hard times. It wasn't a straight line for him. My dreams about my father intensified. I would awaken in a fit of anger, having been dreaming about beating my father while he smiled back at me. Then came the turning point in his life, in my life, he said. So he goes on to talk about this amazing series of synchronicities that led him to his father's grave in Biloxi, Mississippi, where he was so mad. He went there to piss on the grave, um, but he didn't. He, uh, <laughs> he, um, he ended up forgiving his father and it changed everything. It shifted the energy in his life. Um, he says, when I went back to New York, miracles began to appear everywhere. I wrote Euronious Zones with Ease, his first book, guys. An agent arrived in my life through a series of strange circumstances at exactly the right moment. I had a meeting with an executive of T.Y. Crowell Publishers. And a few days later, he called to tell me that Crowell was going to publish my book. Every step along the way of the Your Erroneous Zone story was another miracle waiting to happen. Strange and wonderful events occurred with delightful frequency. The exactly right person would be there when needed. The perfect contact would materialize out of the strangest coincidences. My speaking schedule increased and my performances in front of audiences became effortless. I abandoned my notes, though often talking for six and eight hours at seminars. Later, these seminars became a series of successful tapes. Oh, I bet some of you listened to some of those audio tapes. I remember they used to sell them on those, like, those spinning towers. I think you could even get them at, like, gas stations and stuff. Um, my personal family life improved almost immediately, and I made decisions that I previously had pondered over for years. In what seemed fast forward, I had achieved what most authors dream about. He's living the dream. I had the top-selling book in the United States and was having the time of my life appearing on talk shows. In the years that followed, my writing seemed to be taking me in new directions. I went from writing about how to utilize specific strategies to how to become a more assertive human being. I went from telling people how to do something to writing about the importance of being at transcendent levels as a human being. Today, I'm convinced that my experience of forgiveness, while emotionally draining at the moment it was occurring, was the beginning of my transformation. It was my first encounter with the power of my own mind to go beyond what I previously considered the constraints of my physical world and my physical body. It's like new opportunities became possible for him in a way that he couldn't see them from where he was. I think it's Albert Einstein that said, you can't solve a problem with the same mind that created it. So when you feel stuck, when you feel like this is all that's available for you, you know, it's not an outer shift that you need. It's an inner one. And I think Wayne Dyer's books can do that for you. I mean, he's not giving you the experience, but he's pointing you in the direction of the experience. You can have a direct experience of the divine, that you can glimpse new levels of fulfillment for you, of what's possible. Pablo Picasso said, while I work, I leave my body outside the door, the way Muslims take off their shoes before entering the mosque. I did the same thing as I wrote this book. 
I left my body outside the room. By that, I mean that I left outside the world of aches and intrusions, which are experienced in form, and allowed only my mind to enter my writing domain. In this world of pure thought, there are no limits. What is the limit to your imagination? This part of me that is my thoughts is pure energy, allowing the ideas to coalesce into words in my mind and then into form on my typewriter. No excuses, no fatigue, no fears, no anguish, simply energy that is somehow flowing through me to you without any limitations. I think he's still sending us energy. I think when we read his words, he's still here. There's something eternal. There's something eternal, obviously. Our essence is eternal. Our soul is birthless and deathless. But these words, they still come from him. They still come through him. As I create, I know that these words and ideas are not mine to own, that I am the conduit through which they flow, and that when I am open and unattached, when I leave my body at the doors, Picasso said, I am a part of the creative process that is related to being awakened. This awakening process and the rewards that go with being bitten by the transformational bug are precisely what this book is about. Oof. Wow. He is a teacher of awakening. And there are many teachers of that. Ramdas was a great one. But he reached people. He reached a lot of people. And for many of us, he was just the voice that we needed. He was the one that we were ready to hear. And he led us into the depths of our soul that maybe we weren't ready to see otherwise. I think that this book is definitely worth checking out. Transformation, the ability and willingness to live beyond your form. Thought, you are not a human being having a spiritual experience. You are a spiritual being having a human experience. Oneness, you are at once a beating heart and a single heartbeat in the body called humanity. Abundance, it is a simple procedure to calculate the number of seeds in an apple. But who among us can ever say how many apples are in a seed? Hmm. I wonder how many lives he touched. Detachment. Detachment is the only vehicle available to you to take you from striving and arriving. Detach from outcome. Mm, I think we talked about that last month. Synchronicity. Oh, I love synchronicity. The universe is complete and perfect. There can be no mistakes. Nothing is random. The entire one song is exquisitely synchronized. That's tough to take in. Marinate on that one. Forgiveness. To forgive, you must have blamed. Mm -hmm. It's no blame. It's nothing to forgive. And then there's just a little piece from his conclusion that I wanted to share with you. And then we'll move on to the next book. Discover a new relationship and approach to life through the space between. Join spiritual teacher Brittany Mondito for a moment of silence a weekend workshop May 24th to 26th at Omega Institute's beautiful campus in Rhinebeck, New York. Everything we're searching for lies behind what we're running from, Brittany says. Reconnect with your inner sense of safety, grounding, and centeredness. Learn more today 
at eomega.org slash thrive. We all have our own connection to that invisible part of us. There is much more to life than simply living out our day as form and then disappearing into an abyss of infinite nothingness. I think he's talking about death. Our thoughts are a magic part of us and they can carry us to places that have no boundaries and no limitations. In that dimensionless world of thought, everything is possible. It demands nothing of you, this awakened life. Only that you fill yourself with the life energy that makes the dynamic that makes the dynamic work and that you celebrate the invisible part of you as well as the visible. We're not just this shell. We're so much more. Let these ideas in and simply see where they lead you. As you do, remember, you do not have to struggle. You do not have to fight. You do not have to win. You only have to know. Namaste. I celebrate the place in you where we are all one. You'll see it when you believe it. My first Dr. Wayne Dyer book. Oof, I just love that one so much. I think I'm going to do a video series and go deep into those seven. Um, But we're doing the 10 secrets first, and you're going to love it. Okay, who here is familiar with the Tao? Tao Te Ching. What's funny is Wayne Dyer said that he had even taught a course uh, probably at St. John's, uh, that included a section on the Tao, but it was really kind of brief and just sort of skimmed over it. Um, and then he ended up, it just kept showing up for him at this one point in his life. And, and he pays attention to those, um, you know, those signs, um, those patterns. And he ended up writing this book, Change Your Thoughts, Change Your Life, Living the Wisdom of the Tao. He spent... A whole year studying the Tao Te Ching, he would read various versions of each verse, uh, 81 verses, and so he, I think he, he spread it out over a year, so I don't know, he had like four days for each one or something, and, um, and he would just think about it all day long and live it. And then at the end of those four days, he would he'd look at his pictures of, well, their drawings. He'd look at his drawings of what Lao Tzu may have looked like. And, um, you know, he wanted to bring the Tao Te Ching to all of us the same way he did with everything. Whenever he would find something amazing, something inspiring, something that worked for him, he wanted to take it out of the schools and put it out into the world in a way that everybody can receive it. He wrote these books for everybody, um, and he did that with the Tao. Now, I have this little tiny copy of the Tao Te Ching. I love this one, by the way, and it's by Stephen Mitchell. So there's many translations of the Tao. Um, Let's see if I have something written on here about it. Um, So it's an ancient Chinese text that was written 400 years before the birth of Christ. So that's about 2,500 years ago. Um, Said to have been written by a a man named Lao Tzu. And it's just like he put all of his wisdom into this little book and then left the town on an ox, I think. Um, So you can see like there's two verses here. Um, And we'll look at a couple of these. 
But yeah, he said it's a book that you can read in an afternoon, but you can practice for a lifetime. Like there's so much um, to get from this. And so when I went to see him in Maui, you've heard me talk about that. I talk about it in the first episode of the podcast. And um, he was talking about change your thoughts, change your life. Um, and I named my podcast that in honor of um, his his impact on me. And I think it's the most zen I've ever seen Dr. Wayne Dyer. I think he was the most centered, the most peaceful. He really looked like he was just flowing with life. He was softer, you know, in demeanor, um, emotionally open. And I'll never forget it. It was such a magical weekend for me. And you can see he has a PBS special of this as well, which is definitely worth checking out. It's a great one. Um, so I'm obviously not going to read you <laughs> the 81 verses today. Um, I do want to tell you he also has a little book that goes with it. He also has a meditation on this, um, Living the Wisdom of the Tao, the Complete Tao Te Ching and Affirmations. So what this is, is... He takes a version of the Tao Te Ching, right, which there are many translations, um, and then he wrote just like a little sentence to sum it up. Um, so you know what? Let's dive into this. I'm going to look at his version of the 45th verse. Yes, which is, the greatest perfection seems imperfect, and yet its use is inexhaustible. The greatest fullness seems empty, and yet its use is endless. Great straightness seems twisted. <laughs> Great intelligence seems stupid. Great eloquence seems awkward. Great truth seems false. Great discussion seems silent. Activity conquers cold. Inactivity conquers heat. Stillness and tranquility set things in order in the universe. And Wayne's sentence on this is, the experience of inner peace is my true gauge of all accomplishments. He gives you like a little thought to meditate on. Now I'm going to read you Stephen Mitchell's translation of that same one so you can see how there's some differences. I love this one too. Number 45, true perfection seems imperfect, yet it is perfectly itself. True fullness seems empty, yet it is fully present. True straightness seems crooked. True wisdom seems foolish. True art seems artless. The master allows things to happen. She shapes events as they come. She steps out of the way and lets the Tao speak for itself. Mm. Now, what he did with Change Your Thoughts, Change Your Life, which is really a much expanded version of his little... Um, Complete Tao Te Ching and Affirmations. This, this is the full book, right? This this is the one you want. <laughs> the other ones are handbooks. They're great. Don't get me wrong. Put it on a nightstand, coffee table, whatever. You'll love it. But this is the book. And he writes an essay, basically, about each of the verses. So let's look at a little bit of the introduction on this one. Um, well, actually, let's see what it says in the cover. 500 years before the birth of Jesus, a God-realized being named Lao Tzu 
in ancient China dictated 81 verses, which are regarded by many as the ultimate commentary on the nature of our existence. That's all. Nature of existence. No biggie. The classic text of these verses, called the Tao Te Ching, or the Great Way, offers advice and guidance that is balanced, moral, spiritual, and always concerned for the good. Dr. Wayne Dyer reviewed hundreds of translations for the Tao Te Ching. In this book, he has written 81 distinct essays on how to apply the ancient wisdom of Lao Tzu to today's modern world. The work contains all 81 verses of the Tao compiled from Wayne's teachings, um, compiled from Wayne's researching of 10 of the most well-respected translations of the text. It's ancient stuff. Here's what he has to say. Change Your Thoughts, Change Your Life is the end product of my year-long journey of research, contemplation, and application of the Tao Te Ching, a book of wisdom that's been translated more than any volume in the world, with the exception of the Bible. <laughs> Many scholars consider this Chinese classic the ultimate discourse on the nature of existence, and it continues to be a valuable resource for achieving a way of life that guarantees integrity, joy, peace, and balance. I recently read about someone who overcame life-threatening addictive behaviors by reading and rereading the 81 verses of this ancient text. Just imagine, in fewer than 100 short passages... It describes a way of living that's balanced, moral, and spiritual, and that works for all facets of life on earth. Legend tells us the Tao Te Ching was authored by Lao Tzu, a prophet who was also the keeper of the imperial archives in the ancient capital of Luyang. Seeing the continual decay during a period of warring states, Lao Tzu decides to ride westward into the desert. Hmm. One of the many gifts of the Tao Te Ching is its mind-stretching quality, especially in the way that Lao Tzu uses irony and paradox to get you to look at life. If you think that being forceful is the appropriate response, Lao Tzu urges you to see the value in being humble. If action seems called for, he asks you to consider non-action. If you feel that grasping will help you acquire what you need or want, he counsels you to let go and be patient. Ooh, it sounds frustrating, but it's actually super beneficial. And just what is this thing called the Tao? As we're told in the first verse, to name it is to lose it. So here's the best that I can come up with. The Tao is the supreme reality, an all-pervasive source of everything. The Tao never begins or ends, does nothing, and yet animates everything in the world of form and boundaries, which is called the world of the 10,000 things. I think almost as interesting as the book was his process for writing it, that he really just immersed himself in it for a year. He says he would wake up before uh, 4 a.m., meditate, consume juices and supplements, and enter my sacred writing space. On the table, he had pictures, or not pictures, again, they're drawings. This was thousands of years ago. We didn't have photography. <laughs> you guys know that. Um He says some of the passages contain ideas that seem to be directed at political leaders. Yet in all cases, I keep the average reader in mind. Thank you, Wayne. In other words, I seek the wisdom for everyone, not just for those in positions of government or business. Yeah, I think this can help anybody. 
I feel the Tao with me, always there, always doing nothing, and always leaving absolutely nothing undone. I'm now seeing, with a capital S, the landscape looks different, the people I see are godly creations who are ignoring their own nature, or even more poignantly, needily interfering in the affairs of others. Let go and let God. Mm. Following my days of thinking and then applying the wisdom of a particular verse, I look into the eyes of Lao Tzu's picture and I wonder, what did you mean? How does this apply here today to anyone who might want to live according to these majestic teachings? What happens next is mind-blowing in that it simply comes through the ages, through the atmosphere, through my purple pen, and onto the page flows what I can only call automatic writing. I know I don't own it. I know I can't touch it, feel it, see it, or even name it, but the words arrive in the world of the 10,000 things. I am grateful, bewildered, astonished, and overjoyed. The next day, I begin another four-day adventure with this wisdom a Chinese master recorded 2,500 years ago, feeling so blessed, honored, and completely awestruck by the profound impact these words have on me. Perhaps the overriding message of the Tao Te Ching is to learn how to luxuriate in the simplicity of what you're being told throughout this ancient sacred text. As you put its ideas into practice, you'll discover how profound it all is, but then you'll find yourself startled by its simplicity and naturalness. The advice of this ancient master is so easy to apply, you mustn't try to complicate it. Simply allow yourself to stay in harmony with your nature, which can be trusted if you just listen and act accordingly. You can trust in yourself. I wasn't taught that. <laughs> Wayne taught me that. I hope you'll feel joyously in love with Lao Tzu and his wondrous Tao Te Ching, and that you'll add your light and color to the great way. I offer you my love, along with my commitment to a Tao-centered world. I can think of no greater vision for you, for our planet, or for our universe. Wayne W. Dyer, Maui, Hawaii. Mm, I love it. wonder what this bookmark is. Ah, have any of you read this? Who's read Change Your Thoughts, Change Your Life? Um, it's so good. I hear a lot of people describing it as their favorite book. Uh, again, it's in my top three. Oh, this is my signed copy, you guys. Um, look. He wrote it to me, Nadia. It is very sloppy. He loves purple pens, doesn't he? Very sloppy Wayne Dyer signature. And um, I'm still using this. I feel like I should put it behind glass or something. But I think it's meant to be read. So here it is. I'm going to wear it out in my lifetime. Change your thoughts, change your life, living the wisdom of the Tao. I don't know that anyone could have presented the Tao to Ching to me in quite the way that Wayne Dyer did. Maybe it was like I already knew his language. I was already like primed to listen to him. There's something about his voice. Um, I mean, his books as well. I love his books. But listening to his live lectures or seeing him live even better, there's just something. It's like it's like you feel the energy of it. There's so much generosity in what he was putting out into the world. And he didn't have to do it. He could have stopped. He could have, you know, just, I don't know, bought a fancy car and, and lived 
joyfully without trying to make more things for us. But it was his mission. It was his dharma. He wanted to teach us. He he wanted to awaken us. He wanted to bring awareness. And, and he had that in him. And um, he did it in a big way. When he says, don't die with your music still in you, I think, wow, you know, he really walked the talk. Like he he's such an amazing example of um, not dying with your music still in you. You know, he felt called to write. He wanted to teach. It didn't come easily. It didn't come quickly. Um, like we read in the in the section of You'll See It When You Believe It, where he's talking about his life, and he's saying, you know, he knew for years he wanted to write books for a general audience, but it just wasn't coming. It wasn't there. And it's like there was this block in his life that he didn't know that it was there, and once he cleared it with forgiveness whoosh it's like the path just opened he wrote erroneous zones in two weeks in a hotel room i mean and it got published really quickly it didn't sell well it didn't sell well he had to do the legwork it wasn't like instant boom now you're rich and famous um which i think so many people oh like that that's what we strive for we think that's that's what success is supposed to look like make your own definition of success Make your own definition of success. Do you feel on purpose? Do you feel joy in your life? Are you taking good care of your body? Are you are you doing things that light you up? Do you feel purposeful? It's not about a job and it's not about somebody coming to you and handing you a job or saying, oh, you're really good at this. You should do this and I'm going to help you. No, honestly, like the most successful people, the people that are doing what they love, they made the decision. These people decided for themselves, I can do this. I want to do this. And then they find out how to do it. And they just keep going. You know, don't wait for somebody to, to tap you on the shoulder. You don't have to get knighted into becoming a teacher or a writer or a singer or an artist or whatever it is. You decide what you are. Give yourself your own labels and then rise to meet them. Ooh, that's my best tip of the day. Okay. So there's one more book that I want to go over with you. And that is I Can See Clearly Now. Now everybody calls this his memoir. Wayne Dyer didn't call it his memoir. So I hesitate to say that. Basically it is. It's his version of a memoir. I can see clearly now. And like I said on the, um, I don't think I can grab my DVDs. I'm looking at my book bookshelf. Um, in the PBS recording of I Can See Clearly Now, he's wearing that shirt that says love, period, right? Um, yeah, so check out the podcast with the Reverend Charles Foley. I was so excited to talk to the person who made those shirts because, like, those pictures of Wayne are so memorable to me. Um, yeah, you know what I'm talking about. We've seen it in the group. All right, I Can See Clearly Now. You know where I want to start with this one is I just found a blog post um, I don't know when this was written, 2013 probably, and this is Wayne Dyer's blog on his website, and he says, on June 26, 2012, I was pretty sure I was ready to retire from writing books. I decided I really could just swim, read, meditate, and that's it. Sounds pretty good. 
No need to struggle with filling those blank pages ever again. Summer was here. My children and their families were about to arrive at my island paradise for our annual Hawaiian holiday. His family was taking vacations um, to Hawaii long before he ever lived there. Yeah, I love Hawaii. Um, that was me talking to myself about my future plans. But was I really calling the shots? What happened next was just incredible. The very next day... June 27th, 2012, I woke up and started writing. He says, I'm done. He tells his kids, I'm not going to write anymore. I've done enough. I have nothing to prove. Like, I'm just going to relax, right? I'm just going to swim and meditate and, you know, enjoy Hawaii. And then the very next day, he gets up and he starts writing. Have you ever done that? I can't count the number of times that I've had a weekend where it's like, I'm so exhausted. Like, when I was... um. I was working full time during the day. I'm a mom now. My schedule is a little different. But like I would work all week and I would get to the weekend. I'm so exhausted. And I think, oh, I'm not doing anything this weekend. Nothing. I'm just going to sit and lounge. And then I end up like cleaning the whole house and like more productive than ever. But it's almost like you give yourself that space. Um, and it works. But it's so amazing because he was done writing. He announced he was done writing. This is the book that almost didn't get written. And I'm so thankful that he felt the inspiration to write it. He says, something compelled me to start putting words on paper. I was writing about the significant events and the people and circumstances that have taken place in my life. I couldn't stop the flow of words. They just kept coming. The timing certainly wasn't convenient. My kids had filled up all my living space and my writing space, too. I had to rent an additional place to work. No easy matter when it's summer vacation on Maui. I had to keep writing and let the kids take care of themselves. Oh, that's a tough decision. They would say, come on, Dad, we're going to go on a picnic or swim or take a hike. And I said, you go ahead. I have to write. And so my summer went. I wrote for 92 days straight and ended up with 144,000 handwritten words. Wow, when it rains, it pours. It just really comes. These words were all about the events of my life that had turned me around or changed my direction. And I had to reach my present age to be able to look back and see these remarkable times for what they were. Events that might not have made sense at the time can be clearly seen looking back for the amazing building blocks they were. All along, I thought I was the making the choices, but there was a bigger pattern, a greater game that a hand larger than mine was playing. If life is a checker game, someone else is moving the pieces. It isn't us. Don't be surprised by amazing coincidences. There are no accidents. Consider, as I learned to do, the incredible interconnectedness of all of life. My passion for putting words on paper last summer, exploring all the times, places, and people in my life, was an expression of my purpose, my connection with my divine source. I couldn't not do what I was called to do. There is an energy taking care of everything for us. When you step into that place of alignment that is yours, you will be fully supported and it will be effortless. So after thinking I was finished writing books, the universe presented me with a new and totally unexpected one to be called, I can see clearly now, 
It will be coming to you next spring from my heart to yours. And what's kind of so poignant and so sad about this, this was published in 2014. He died in August of 2015. We didn't know he was going to die. He wasn't sick. He'd healed from leukemia. He was feeling good. I know he had plans for lots of things. So it wasn't like, it wasn't like he was declining and he was preparing for death. It was just this, inf this inspiration got a hold of him and the story started coming out through him. And oh, now I'm going to get emotional again. And, and this book shed so much light on his life. And I've um, scoured this book a lot, um, especially for the podcast, because I wanted to share his story. And uh, my second episode is Wayne Dyer's origin story. And some of that came from this book. And I'm just so grateful that he put it in this form, not because he wanted to share his life, but because he wanted to show you that there is a pattern, that there's something bigger moving the pieces around, that you can look back on your own life from where you are now, whatever vantage that is, and see the synchronicities and see the connections and see the links. And that, you know, you're not on this path alone. We're all one. We're all connected. You are divine. There is divinity in you. And he didn't even write an introduction in this book. He just jumped in and he talks about so many different stories. If you're really interested in his life, how he became, how he grew into the teacher and the author and the speaker that we knew him to be, um, I'd love for you to listen to um, Wayne Dyer's origin story, episode two, change your thoughts, change your life. Um, that one's for super fans. If you're a big Wayne Dyer geek like me, you'll love it. Uh, if you're new to Wayne Dyer, it might be a little too much detail, full disclosure. Um, but yeah, it's just so fascinating. And we got a little taste of that in the little introduction that I shared with you of, you'll see it when you believe it. So I just wanted to read a couple paragraphs from the end of this book. Um, actually, let's see what it says here. For many years, Dr. Wayne Dyer's fans have wondered when he would write a memoir. <laughs> well, after four decades as a teacher of self-empowerment and the best-selling author of more than 40 books, Wayne has finally done just that. However, he has written it in a way that only he can, with a remarkable take-home message for his longtime followers and new readers alike, and the result is an exciting new twist on the old format. Rather than a plain old memoir, Wayne has gathered together quantum moment recollections. Mm -hmm. From the back, as I look back over my life, it is not a far reach for me to conclude that there is some kind of a plan that is always at work. Even if it is largely unknown as it unfolds, there's a plan for your life, your life. Yes. It is not a great stretch for me to conclude that this plan is being directed by the same force that keeps the planets aligned, opens the buds of all the flowers, and gives life to all manner of creation here and everywhere else in the universe as well. I now pay much closer attention to what shows up for me 
and I'm willing to listen carefully to any inclination I might have and act accordingly. Examine the major turning points in your life and look carefully at all the so-called coincidences that had to arise in order for you to shift direction. At the moment you think of as a coincidence, you had a free will and you made a choice. At that same moment, there was something much bigger than you, something you're always connected to that was also at play. That something was setting up the details so that you could fulfill the purpose you signed up for when you made the leap from spirit to form, from nowhere to now here. The teachers are always there. Your degree of readiness to pay attention and listen carefully to your highest self and act on what your intuitive self tells you enlivens your awareness of your teachers. Sharpen your insight and be willing to trust that what you are feeling inside is what you should be doing, regardless of what everything and everyone around you might be saying to the contrary. This is the advantage of adopting an I can see clearly now mentality. Dr. Wayne W. Dyer. I have noticed throughout the writing of this book and reviewing of so many of the salient factors that pushed me up to a higher rung on the ladder that the less I identified with what I wanted to accomplish, the freer I was to allow it to manifest. Just by sitting back and observing as an interested but unattached spectator, I was frequent, frequently able to go way beyond even what I was noticing. The less attached I felt to what I wanted to accomplish in my life, and the more I cultivated this idea of the witness, the more I was able to look at the next stage of my life with a new, less worrisome vision. Mm. What if you could worry less? That would be a huge transformation in life, that alone. I love what was placed before me, but I had no attachment to the outcome. As I come to the end of looking back at my life up until now, I'm grateful to have been able to see so much more clearly how and why so many of the events, circumstances, and teachers showed up to guide me on this path of self-discovery. All my life, I wanted to feel the excitement of being a person who would and could make a difference in this world. There has been invisible guidance there for me each and every step of the way, just as there is for you as well. In order to access that guidance, I encourage you to make a commitment to be absolutely faithful to that which exists nowhere but within yourself. This is the great secret for seeing ever more clearly and living your life from a place of passion and purpose. Love, I am Wayne. I can see clearly now. My top three books... Dr. Wayne Dyer. You'll see it when you believe it. Change your thoughts, change your life, living the wisdom of the Tao. And I can see clearly now. Fantastic books. Let me know what your favorite book is. Let me know if you decide to read one of these and they're new to you. Um, go check out the podcast, NadiaDelacruz.com. And um, my YouTube channel will be linked at the bottom of the homepage, and I'll pop a link in the comments here. But yeah, I've got a video series, and they're short videos, they're nice little bite-sized chunks um, for each of the 10 secrets for success and inner peace. That's coming out next month. I will let you all know when it's ready, but you can go subscribe to the channel, and you'll get notified. 
All right. Love you guys so much. Thank you for being here. Thank you for those of you watching the replay. Thank you for being a part of the Wayne Dyer Wisdom community. I'm Nadia Dela Cruz, and I'm so thankful that I have an opportunity to spend this time with you to talk about Dr. Wayne Dyer and his teachings, which are so near and dear to my heart, have been so inspirational and so pivotal in my understanding of the world, in my concept of what's possible for me and what's possible for you. We rise together. Um, there's two forces, love and fear. Choose love. Have a great week, and I'll see you next month. Namaste. I'm Victoria Moran. Since we launched the Main Street Vegan podcast back in 2012, lots more people have discovered the way that moving in a vegan direction can infuse our lives with vitality, spirituality, and compassion. My guests are experts on every aspect of making this work in your real life and our real world. Join us for Main Street Vegan here on mindbodyspirit.fm.